0: Lord, now I pray that you would take your word and use it for your purposes. Lord, may it, may it uh, be empowered by your spirit, activated in, in each person's heart and soul so that it can have the transforming effect that you intended to have. Do as you please. In Jesus' name, amen. This past Wednesday, Sheila and I um, went over to our grandson's house because our daughter was at a conference out of town, and their uh, their dad leaves early. So we went over and to take give them breakfast, get them to school, and so we had a little bit of time. They get up early, and we didn't have to leave for a while. So I'm sitting at the breakfast table with the four year old Landon, and, and he's drinking one of these little. I think they're a yogurt. It was a little yogurt kind of thing that he, he drinks, and on the side of it, there was a picture of a birthday cake. And and so we got in this conversation about birthday cakes, and I said, oh, well, you just had a birthday. His birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and remember the birthday cake that you had? And we talked about that, and then I looked at him and said, you know, Landon, I never got a birthday cake this year. It was at, my birthday was at the week of our prayer, in the week of our prayer and fasting, and... And we were busy, so I never got a birthday cake. And I looked at him, I said, isn't that sad? (laughs) A grandpa with a four-year-old grandson, right? Isn't that sad? And he said, yes, grandpa. And then you could see the wheels begin to turn. And he said, grandpa, what kind of cake do you like? I said, I really like chocolate cake. Grandpa? Mommy and me will, will make you a cake. And then he said to me, Grandpa, I won't let you down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I looked, 10 minutes later, he probably completely forgot about it. <laughs> but in that moment, just captured my heart. I won't let you down. Grandpa, I won't let you down. And I've been thinking about that all week because I believe that that is what our Heavenly Father wants to hear from us. Is that kind of of commitment, that kind of, not because we have to. You see, Landon wasn't feeling any pressure because I was telling him he had to make me a birthday cake. It was because his heart was for me. And that's what God wants from us. He doesn't want obedience from us because we have to, but because we've drawn so near to the heart of God that we have a heart for God to do what He wants us to do because we trust Him that it's best. And so I want to challenge us as we look into the book of Philippians. And I want you, so you can turn with me there to Philippians chapter 3 as we continue that study. Um, Does anybody need a Bible? We've got some extra Bibles in the back. Everybody got one? All right. Um, So I want to challenge us to live with that kind of commitment. Lord, I won't let you down. Brothers and sisters that we have in the family of God, I won't let you down. People who are in our sphere of influence who don't know Christ as their Savior, I won't let you down. Our... uh, in the last couple of weeks, we, as we've been looking at Philippians chapter 3, we've talked about, it, and I put some um, notes there for you in your outline, for uh, as a part of the review, that for the Christ follower, this life is a journey. From here, from being born again, becoming a follower of Christ, and, and living this life all the way home to heaven when we die, that requires supernatural endurance through the life threatening obstacles that was a couple of weeks ago last week we looked at the fact that life is short with and death is the doorway to eternity for those who are following christ it's beyond comprehension good for those who aren't following christ refuse christ it's beyond comprehension bad so as as I was preparing this message i thought here just as a matter of perspective just just as a kind of a motivation exercise. I want you to fill in some blanks there in your outline. On the left-hand side, just write in your current age. And if there's people that are sitting around you that you don't want them to know, just you can write it in Roman numerals because they'll never figure that out. Or you can put it in code, or I don't care what you do. On the far right-hand side, Just project, and I want you to project optimistically. How many years do you think you have left? you think you'll, you know, are you going to live 20 years? I'll write that number in Roman numerals so people can't see what that, because they could subtract. And and then in the middle, how many years does that leave you with? Now again, you're not God. You don't know when you're going to pass away, but this is just perspective. If that is true, how many years do you have left? For some of you, if you're like me, we've, we've got three quarters of our life behind us. We don't have that many left in perspective. For some of you, you've got half your life left. For some of you, you've just kind of started. For some of you, people like me look at you when you get down on the floor to do something and watch you pop up, and we just want to hit you. Because you've got a lot of years left. How many years do you have left? Now, the purpose of this exercise is to some perspective. If I've only got that many years left, what do I want to do with it? What do I want to do with it? Do I want to fritter it away on things that don't matter? Or do I want to live for the things that do? Do I want to live for an eternal home, or do I want to mess around? And so we've been working with an analogy of traveling from the lowest point, southernmost tip of Argentina to Pittsburgh with um, all modern conveniences on the fritz. The world is shut down, and it's it's just this hike that we have to make on 8,000 miles from Tierra del Fuego, or what was it you said, Patagonia? That's easier to pronounce. I think we'll go with that. (laughs) Is that, that's down there too I guess but it's this idea of hiking am, am I, do I want to just hike it and make it through or do I want to make it as God wants me to make it and so the reality check is what does God want you to do in the years you have even more specifically what does God want you to do this year what does God want you to do this week or the next five years. And in order to do that, what do you need to eliminate or change or add? That's where the rubber meets the road. The world is so full of distractions that um, we can easily get caught up in them if we're not careful. I heard the story on the podcast, I think it was the Breakpoint podcast, which I highly recommend breakpoint.org a podcast that, of a Christian worldview. How do you view the things that are happening in our culture, culture with a Christian worldview? And they were talking about, um, I think it was a 10 or 12 year old boy who was on a bus with 40 or 50 fellow students and the driver um, was incapacitated. As they're going down the road this bus full of kids and, and the driver just collapsed. This little boy ran up, grabbed the steering wheel, was able to guide the bus to a stop while the other 50 or 60 kids and and, then saved all their lives. He was the only one that noticed. And you want to know why he noticed? Every other one of those children had cell phones. And every single one of them was looking down. But he didn't have a cell phone. His parents didn't give him a cell phone. And so he was looking up. And he was the only one that noticed. And as a result, he probably saved the lives of 50 of his of his class of his fellow students and and i and i just start to wonder how often am i distracted by the stuff in this world when god wants needs me to look up to see what's happening according to that so my question is what do you need to eliminate in order to live the way that god wants you to live for the rest of your life We need to be saying, Lord, as, as, as Landon said to me, Grandpa, I won't let you down. Lord, I won't let you down. But what does that mean for us? I think a part of it is living in our identity. So um, in your outline, there's a statement that says, Christ followers have several blank as we journey home because I really struggled with what word to put there. Um, I started to use the word identities, but... I hesitated to do that because I think our, our, we, only have, we, we, we really only have one identity, and that's our identity in Christ. We're children of the living God. We're, and yet, as children, we have roles, and I think that's the word I want you to put in there. I think we have roles that, that we can't choose not to do or to do if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ. So they're, they're, part, they're an essential part of who we are, part of our identity. Um. But there are specific ways that we need to view life and function. So let's talk about them. The first role that we need to serve if we're going to travel this life the rest of the years that we have in a way that pleases God and gets us home um, is to be sojourners. Sojourners. That's not a word that we use in our culture a lot. Um, it, it, it's very similar to pilgrim, someone who's traveling from one spot to another in order to reach a goal for a specific purpose. Um, it's, it's, I think it captures, because it's about traveling as we, we think about this, this trip, we're traveling as followers of Jesus Christ through hostile, dangerous foreign land until we get home. Because this is not our home. Heaven is home, so our citizenship is in heaven. Um, so we, I don't know about you, but there are times when I I live in this world and I feel like I I'm an outsider. I don't I don't belong I don't belong to what's happening here. It just seems so odd, so foreign to me. And I used to struggle with that because it would cause me to get disoriented. Just I I just and then. It's like God hit me upside the head one day and says, yeah, it's because you don't belong here. Amen. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's, and, and this is foreign land. This is land that you're traveling through and it's filled with battles and dangers. So look at cha- Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 17. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Um, we are sojourners, right beside the word sojourners, together. We are sojourners together. This is not an independent hike. This is not a solo act. That's why in the analogy, and if you're interested in that analogy, I think it was two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I gave it to you in length. It, this, you know, In that analogy, it was 10 people traveling together following a guide. It wasn't one person, it was ten. We are sojourners together, and so we need to pay attention to that, arm in arm, um, side by side, watching one another so that we learn how to walk this life. Verse 18, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, so here's the Apostle Paul looking at people who he probably knew personally, may have been fellow Pharisees with him before he came to know Christ, may have been a part of the Philippian church um, that, he had, that he had founded. He says, many are walking as enemies. They're not the enemy, but they're walking as enemies because they're following the ways of this world and the ways of the enemy. And he says, I, I weep over them because God loves them and, and I love them. And so we have people who will hurt us but they're not the enemy. We need to recognize that it's true. We, this land, this world, this life, we're living in hostile and dangerous foreign land. Verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject, subject all things to himself. So we're sojourning through the foreign land in order to get to home where Jesus will welcome us into eternity and he will transform us into his his likeness. Citizenship is in heaven. We are sojourners. And there's a huge difference between being a sojourner, someone who travels through a foreign land, and being a tourist. And if you really want to dig into this, in, in my first book, From Where God Sits, I, there's a couple of different chapters that I outline. The difference between a person who is on a pilgrimage and a person who is a tourist. There's a big difference in so many different ways. We don't have time for that. Too often, we expect the christ falling Life to be a tourist trip instead of its sojourning dangerous journey. Um, There's a verse in Philippians that says, do not complain about anything. Do you know who complains? Tourists. Tourists. Anytime you start complaining about something, check yourself because you're being a tourist. Because a sojourner, a pilgrim, and then we're going to talk about a soldier, expect problems and difficulties and ask the commanding officer how to overcome them. A tourist just winds to the mater D. Right? Hitting home yet? All right, here we go. Number two, or no, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians, chapter five. Turn there. Second Corinthians chapter five verses six to 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. So we are always of good courage. Why? Because we know that we're sojourners, we're not tourists. We know that while we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. As long as we're still on this journey, we're not home yet. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We have never been home. Remember in that analogy that I gave, born in the southern tip of Argentina to American parents, but you've never been to Pittsburgh. We've never been there. And so we have to walk by faith. We know what the Bible says about heaven. We know what other people teach us, but we've never seen it. And it's so hard when you can see, taste, touch, and feel this foreign land, but you've never been home. So we have to walk by faith. Just keep believing, trusting, following, following our guide. Yet, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We would rather... So here's the hard... Here, and I, I don't believe that I've made this shift yet, is to really, 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 really believe that dying is better than being here. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. It's, it's not a reality for us. But he says we would rather be away from the body. We would rather be home because that's perfection. That we will experience Jesus completely. And we will get a new body. We'll get a new life. We won't have to fight all the stuff that we have to fight. There won't be the sorrow that we experience now. We would rather be home. But we're still here because Jesus is not done with us. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. It's not about us. It's about us serving God and others. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's home. When we get home, we'll have to stand before him so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, it says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Sojourning toward home. The second role that we play, if our identity is really as Christ followers, is as soldiers. Soldiers. So sojourners, soldiers. We are living in a hostile and dangerous foreign land, traveling, and as we travel, we have enemies that will fight against us, but our hearts should be breaking for those people because our struggle is not against them. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Flip back over there. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. What is our role with enemies? We have to be soldiers. We have to fight for the cause of Christ. But we're fighting against Demonic entities, and we'll see that in the scripture in just a moment. It says, We fight to rescue captives and protect fellow travelers as we travel through a dangerous, hostile, foreign land to get home. Let me highlight that. We fight to rescue captives and protect fellow travelers. This is where we need to be careful about, oh, about reacting to our culture. So when June is presented to us as it is in our culture, our tendency is to get very judgmental about the people who are participating in that and saying that they're bad people and that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be fighting for the cause of Christ, recognize that anyone who does not follow Christ is a captive. And we're on this journey assigned to try to represent Christ, we'll see in a moment, and fight for their souls. Fight for them to to help them see Christ and bring them back to Christ. Our fight is not to save a national culture. That's not what it's about. Our fight is to represent Christ, fight the enemy, with, and, our, and our primary weapon is love. Caring for them so much that we represent Christ and they can see the difference and be drawn to Christ. Soldiers for Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. As we sojourn, we're soldiers, and so every person that we come across, we are supposed to be fighting for them so that they can see Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. There's the distraction. If we're, being, if we're given the mission to represent Christ and, and to uh, accomplish a task, soldiers don't get sidetracked by what's going on over here and what's going on over there. And and, and, you know, the, 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 and one, of, one of the strategies, military strategies, is to create diversions so that it draws our attention in a different direction from where the fight actually is. And he says, don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. Don't get caught up in that. That's why we have to stay close to the mind of Christ. Lord, what is it? So that's a, every time we go to him and say, God, what is it that you're seeing? And what is it that you want me to do? How can you use me in this situation? How can you use me? He says, because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Our aim is always to please Christ. And then Ephesians chapter 6, turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. As we're sojourning from southern Argentina to Pittsburgh, that's the analogy, we we are serving as soldiers. And we have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit who is our guide and the manual that He gives to us for how we're supposed to live so that we Fight the right fights. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So we're not operating in our own strength, His strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And we're not going to read it, but later on he talks about the kind of armor and it's all, it's all about Christ. It's the character and the activity of Christ. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that's one of the checks that we have to make sure that we're not distracted by, because when people are living as enemies of the cross, who are captured, they can be really irritating. They can be really angry yeah, We know we get angry with what's going on, and we can get so caught up that we end up fighting people instead of here. The schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's our enemy, the unseen. And a a year or two ago, we talked a lot about living in the unseen, living for the heavenly realm reality rather than the earthly realm reality. Always looking up, Lord, what do you see? I, um, so on Memorial Day, I, I watched uh, two films back-to-back, because um, I'm, a, I'm a history guy, and especially World War II. So I watched two films, Flags of Our Fathers and The Letters from Iwo Jima. Flags of Our Fathers is a, um, an account of the American Marines who were fighting on Iwo Jima, Letters from Iwo Jima is the account of the Japanese who were fighting on Iwo Jima. And one of the things that was I was taken by is there were people on both sides. And after I got done with the second movie, I I was mumbling to myself. And Sheila walked through the living room and said, What'd you say? I said, What a waste. What a waste. What a waste of all of those lives and all of the devastation and all of the ripples of those things when men came back and they couldn't even, all of the alcoholism and the suicide, the, all, all of that. What a waste. All because of evil powers in the heavenlies. It wasn't the Japanese. The, the emperor and, and all the people in, in charge of the Japanese government, it was, that wasn't even the enemy. It was a supernatural strategy to steal, kill, and destroy. And I just couldn't just, what a waste. It's the same in spiritual battles. When we get caught up in the things that don't matter and we're not listening to uh, Christ and, and following the Holy Spirit, we get caught up in fighting battles that we don't need to fight. And it becomes a waste. Love is our weapon. And we need to be saying as Little Landon said, to God, to one another, and to those who are held captive, I won't let you down. My commitment is firm, and I will be a soldier for you. Number three. Those of you who have been around for a while, we're expecting another S. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Sojourners, soldiers, and then and, and mo- most pastors will spend hours looking for something they can stick in there that starts with an S, because and for some, for did, right? no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm going no. There is this is the word, okay. and it starts with an A. Ambassadors. <laughs> I'm making fun of myself. Right? <laughs> ambassadors, ambassadors, the word, ambassadors are those who represent the government from which they were sent. They have no um, permission or authority to express their own opinion or to act on their own authority or do whatever they want. They only have the authority and the permission to do what their government says. That's us. As we sojourn in this life as soldiers, We are ambassadors, and this is one of our hardest roles because we like to give our opinion. We like to do it our way. We think our way is right, and we need to take the time to go to God and say, God, what is it that you see? And what is it that you want me to do? And what is it that you want me to say? And keep our mouths shut except for what he wants us to express in love. That's hard. Anybody? Get, I get, no, I'm getting no amens on this part. <laughs> it's hard. It's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But we do Him a disservice and we mess up the plan of being the aroma and the salt and the light of Christ when we get ourselves in the way. Yeah. And it's just sad. Just really sad. Mm-hmm. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior. I have a friend, a pastor friend, who said American Christians have been trying to elect a Savior into the White House for decades. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need to be reminded that our Savior is not in this world anywhere. It's Christ and Christ alone. The Lord Jesus Christ. So representing King Jesus Being an ambassador is representing King Jesus. He's the government we represent. By obeying his instructions, living as salt and light and aroma. That's our identity. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And then in, in Corinthians it talks about being the aroma of Christ. How do we do that? As we fight to rescue the captives and protect our fellow travelers as we make our way through this, this life, however long it's going to be, in a dangerous, hostile foreign land on the way home. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20-21. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. There he uses the word. We are ambassadors for Christ. Representing our King, saying only what He wants us to say, doing only what He wants us to do. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our, our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that we might be living in right relationship with God and right relationship with everyone else. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Ambassadors only are concerned about pleasing their king. And then in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. All things to all people. The salt adding flavor and preservation. The light bringing understanding. The aroma of Christ causing people to be attracted to it. That's who we're supposed to be, ambassadors. So as we're traveling this life from where we are, headed towards home, we're sojourners, fighting as we sojourn to, to rescue the captives, protect one another, <clears throat> and all along only saying what God wants us to say, doing what God wants us to do. And that is a high calling and a hard calling. Success is not making it home success is making it home with as many other people as as christ can work through us to bring along i i don't know what it's going to be like when we face jesus but what i don't want to happen is to get there and and for him to have a curious look on his face and go but there were, there were, what about the, ones, the other ones that I, I, I had told you to bring with you? That you were supposed to be salt and light and you got distracted you were on your phone when the bus was going off the road. Grandpa, I won't let you down. Are we by our lives and our words saying to God, I'm not going to let you down. God, I'm not going to let you down. Are we saying to one another, I'm not going to let you down. Even when it's hard, even when it hurts. Are we living so that people who are still captive, who just by their, their, their behavior just almost makes us sick at times, Are we still living so that they see Christ? Because we're being ambassadors and they're drawn to him. Well, what do we do with it? I put some suggestions for you. As sojourners, soldiers, and ambassadors, under what do we do with this? Knees and nudges, knees and nudges. That's a practice that we've talked about around here for quite a long time. On our knees every day. Begin every day on our knees Physically symbolizing our surrender to God and praying this way, recommitting to be sojourners, soldiers, and ambassadors. Lord, I give myself again to you this day to sojourn for you, to soldier for you, to be your ambassador, do whatever you want in my life. Recommitting every day to live that way. And then, the, secondly, as we go throughout our day, pay attention. Pay attention. Like that little boy who wasn't on his phone. He was paying attention to what was going on around him so that he could respond to what needed to be responded to. Pay attention to the nudges that God brings. And then act. Every single day. In the mundane, in the drudgery, and on the mountaintop. That's as practical as it gets. And then doing it together. Oh, I meant as we were going through. So go back in your notes. Besides sojourner, write the word together. Besides soldier, write the word together. Besides ambassador, write the word together. Because we don't do it alone, we do it together. Would you bow your heads? Whatever God has been highlighting or bringing to your attention as we've been talking, would you take a moment and commit to follow that? Could be correction, conviction, could be instructions, could be a person he brought to mind. Would you, just in this quiet moment, would you say, Lord, okay, I follow that. And Lord, I won't let you down. No matter what it takes, I'm not going to let you down. Lord, it's easy to talk about this stuff. But when we walk out that door, there's a whole bunch of stuff that awaits us. And so I pray for each one of us that you would lead us, guide us, direct us, empower us keep our eyes focused on you, not to give in to distractions or disruptions or frustrations, but to keep our eyes on you and to do it together. I pray for each person, whatever you're highlighting in each of our lives, that you would guide us to it. I pray that you would cause us as the New Song Church to be your army, your ambassadors, as we sojourn together. Whatever that means, as we, as we go into learning communities and, and other kinds of activities, God, make, do whatever it takes, what, however hard it is, all the days of our life, until we get to home. We love you, Lord. We put our cells into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen.